Welcome to Singled Out, the ninth best Guild Ball podcast. Please stand by. episode 27 where andrew and jason let's be honest here it's mostly jason talks to jamie perkins about locusts crucible and the union captain who is totally a new version of brisket but my time is finding me and i can feel the change in the wind right now nothing's in my way going to talk about some releases that aren't currently out but will be out when this is out if that makes sense yeah yeah so at the time of recording the models haven't quite been released yet but at the time of podcast release then yes the and models then will be we're out going to talk more uh, a bit, bit of detail about locusts and crucible who won't be out when this is out yeah so we're gonna we're gonna go into some good detail on the february releases and we're gonna go into a little bit of detail on the march releases and uh, for those at home we haven't heard these things yet either so we're, we're, we're you know, we'll be quite surprised and excited as well. So we'll hear it for the first time when you do. Um, so we're going to start from the top with uh, Veteran Ox. Um, Jason, do you want to give an overview of his character card? Yeah, sure. So he's got move 5-7. He's got tax 7, which is the same as what the captain had, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, kick 3-6, death 3-1, three, uh, three, sorry, defence 3+, armour 1, and influence 2-3, which... I think when we come on to character traits, we'll, a bit of light will be shed onto the 2-3, perhaps. Um, and a melee zone of two inches, which will make a lot of Butcher's players very happy, I think. I'd hope so. Yeah, yeah, it looks good. Pretty similar to um, Captain Ox, isn't it? The 3-6 and the 3 and the 1 for defence and armour. Yeah, a lot of the stuff off this model, and we do it quite a lot with the veterans anyway, we try and take the elements uh, of the original model and transfer them over where they make sense, or try to do a sort of for lack of a better phrase, and homage towards the older model. So the, the playbook that Veteran Ox has also, you know, reminisces a little bit back to his original version. Some tweaks where, where necessary. Obviously, he doesn't have to have his two damage quite as high up as, um, as Standard Ox does because he's, yeah. got the, because he's got the owner all the time and stuff. Uh, but, you know, we do try and transfer over bits of the original model where they make sense whilst adding some new stuff. Yeah. So his plays really um, is where he starts to get interesting. So on one hit, he can do a momentous get stuck in, which gives him rowdy, which is the same thing that um, Pointbot has, isn't it? Yeah, 
That's true. Yep. Which is, I guess, an yep. important thing because I'm four hits. He has momentous whirling chains, which is a mass four inch pulse, four inch chain grab towards him. Uh, all enemy, all enemy models, isn't it? Yeah. So he'll charge in and basically pull everyone towards him, which is um, pretty good, really. Um, so what was the, sort of the idea behind this model then, when, you, when it was being designed? So um, the design brief from from uh, Matt Hart came through, and he's, obviously he's a very passionate man about the Butchers because the Butchers are one of the, uh, the, the, the the guilds that he sort of um, championed very very in the early days of Guild Ball. They've always been quite close to his heart, uh, as is Ox in particularly in the Ox, in the Ox storyline. Um, and this this version of Ox is quite clearly a um, a much less controlled, much more angry version. I say much less controlled; he's actually seen in manacles. But in terms of his mental state, he's much less controlled than the original version of Ox, and he's just basically angry at the world, angry at people. He's angry at this injustice that he's seen in front of him and in the injustice that's been wrought upon him and that we're trying to bring that through the playstyle really so the get stuck in is him just you know leaving caution to the wind in terms of his playstyle and absolutely jumping into the middle of the melee therefore having rowdy you know he's going to be suiting him quite well because he's going to be jumping into multiple enemies at once possibly suffering some crowded out but many penalties if he didn't have that rowdy bonus up uh, not rowdy bonus but you know rowdy sort of protection from crowd outs and stuff and you know uh, a purposefully built capacity for if he's not stuck in the middle of a lot of opponents, then whirling change will certainly help that happen. Uh, if he doesn't get there in the first place with just his movement, because he can bring a lot of enemies in close to him. I mean, we didn't get onto his character traits yet, but a lot of that sort of tries to tries to make him at home in the fight. And even though he's not sort of your atypical tank in terms of someone like uh, you know Brick or someone along those lines, he's someone that's trying to be at home as long as he is being active in the fight. So. Um, things like Never Say Die, for instance, when he's just regenerating health at the end of an activation because he's stuck in with a lot of, of opponents. It's a very different way of taking a slightly resilient model. Um, and then hopefully, if he can get a single takeout of the, of the people that he's got an option to, uh, you know, of the people in front of him, he can take one of them out, then he starts things start getting really interesting for the butchers. Yeah, also, he can charge yeah. men for one less. Yes. So this is something that people speculated on a little bit for, for different reasons. And this is uh, something that's going to link into his storyline quite a bit, which is just in terms of what's happened to him whilst he's been incarcerated. He's obviously been um, he's been been quite badly treated by the, the people that were that were holding him basically. And is and you know just because all those people happen to be to be guys, he's obviously just seen the um, the depths to it and horrors that can be wrought upon people by uh, by by men and, and how badly they can sink basically. So he's uh, he's just quite an angry fellow. One of the things that strikes me as quite interesting about the butchers now is that they're they're sort of perceived not perhaps not a glass cannon but they're they certainly a team that wants to dish it out and aren't notoriously known for being able to take it back but i think one of the things that i liked that i've seen in the season three that you've done so far is that you've got three players now in um philip or and veteran ox who've all got a mechanic to heal or to be a bit more tanky that isn't just a, well Philip has got a high defense but do you know what I mean it's not just well you've got uh her hemophilia change you've got Boar's got um oh life drink, life drink. and now you've got um never say die it's interesting that you've got three different ways of healing and making yes. your players survive a bit longer without just making them harder to take damage in the first place like you haven't just given them tough hide I think is what I'm saying yeah, absolutely. It's a slightly more interesting way, at least we think, of, of approaching the issue because, as you say, they're not supposed to be the, the most resilient uh, guild in the world, but they are supposed to be dishing out huge amounts of damage. And for a team that needs to be in there in the fight, they need to have some capacity to survive, you know, being struck back. Uh, and instead of just having straight up resilience, which isn't necessarily the direction we want to go, the butchers, uh, you know, having slightly better than average regeneration, regenerative abilities is another way to take that. So, the Brewers, is that's the kind of the guild that you go to. If you, if you want to take it and keep taking it, 
that's that's their thing. Yeah. So you He's don't also really want to the third to... model in the faction with now with two three foods, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that one is it, it makes it particularly a bit more sense when you come down to some of the other trait we haven't mentioned yet, which is, I mean, sorry, we did mention it briefly, but Vindictive, what it actually does is allow him to charge those uh, male enemy models for one less influence, which is obviously what evens out his sort of influence expenditure, provided he's charging at the opponent. Again, this is trying to keep the thing of in theme of what we, what, what we envisage Ox to be doing on the table, it's charging headlong into the fray. Did he change about the place, I think, at all? Um... Bits and pieces. I mean, there was a, there was a point at which Whirling Chains had an influence cost to it, but we quite literally the conversation went. We have just done a number of changes on Gutter, purposely, <laughs> yeah. purposefully targeted at um, at Chain Grab. Let's not make the same mistakes again. So <laughs> there were bits and pieces that were different. Um, I mean, I think Get Stuck In may have had may have had an influence cost on it at some point as well. But basically, we changed bits and pieces around because of the way we wanted him to be played on the table. Um, so that's why both, of, apart from the obvious balance implications on what could have been on Whirling Chains if you'd been able to pay for it, but we really want him to be getting in there and and and, um, and you're seeing the best of him when he is in the melee so that's why a lot of, you know his abilities work at best when he's engaging enemy opponents and not necessarily in the run-up to that he certainly seems like someone who to get the i mean initially i don't play butchers but looking at like say the the old ways which is like as it reads when this model inflicts the taken out condition on an enemy model this model gains the owner which players who play with butchers will know it's a four inch aura plus one damage so it's kind of a commanding aura but without the attack bonus sure and um, but i think it initially it seems to me like you want to set someone up at the end of turn one so that he gets the activation at the start of turn three or turn, at start of turn two he, he wants to be going early in the second or third turn to get the most out of that it would absolutely. Seem to me absolutely yeah if you want if you're going to get the most out of um, the old ways aka the owner mark two mm. uh, then yes you want him to go early in the turn i mean if you do have him late, going later on in the turn because you haven't had that potential to set him up then you've also got some nice you know miniature butcher style control abilities with be able to affect the table state and perhaps set it up for the next turn so he can either set himself up for a for a following turn by activating late on or take advantage of a weak opponent in an early activation and setting up the owner for everyone else to make use of yeah, it does seem like the whirling chains is uh, just have horrible. Oh, hang on, just got to hand the baby over to my wife. No problem. Here we go. Pass the baby. It's like that song, pass the baby to the left hand side or whatever it is. Anyway, um, <laughs> you can edit that out. Um, the uh, yeah, I just have these horrible images in my head of 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 uh, ox charging in whirling chains pulling everyone in and then fillet comes in and just does is it blood rain and just everyone's bleeding and everyone's miserable and it's uh it's going to make butchers players very happy i think i think so i mean from the from the early reactions people have been quite happy to have another two inch melee zone at their at their disposal because it's something that the butcher players have been uh, i've noticed on social media and other discussions and stuff that they feel like they've been lacking a couple of extra two inch melee zones and throwing an extra one inch should hopefully help ease that concern yeah, slightly for them i don't want to go too off on tangent there but i think people very i think mason's players as well a lot of guilds are very they go oh we haven't got a lot of two inch models well you have you're just choosing not to use them or everyone i find a lot of people i play brewers a lot and a lot of people like oh brewers you've got loads of two inch melees well actually we've got access to five which is probably the same as most guilds so yeah yeah i mean everyone back in passion to fish has got no two inch melee zones yeah so well yeah 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 (laughs) Uh, but and and there's always there's always particularly in for war games as well there's always a a case of um grass is greener syndrome for everyone else's faction at guild it's just so it's just uh, uh an occupational hazard for war gamers i think and I think it's also because you get on the uh, 
without again not, not going off too far on tangent, but I think you, you get a lot of um, people saying about how in season, obviously two inch melee is one of the best abilities in the game, and in season three it's perceived as being even stronger because of home crowd, and I think people are just going, oh, my super beta can't doesn't hasn't got a two inch melee. Oh, Tapper's got a two inch melee. Whatever. Yeah, well, you know, like you say, the grass is always greener. What yep. decides the base size? Because it's forty mil, isn't it? Um, yeah, that was more to do with in, the, in a similar vein to the way the bone saw has a fifty millimeter base. It's not necessarily to do with just the sheer size and bulk of the model. It's also about the amount of um, uh, sort of space that their fighting style occupies. And as you can see on the model, and also obviously we've 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 shown those chains and manacles on him as well. And he obviously whirling chains. This is a guy that's not happy. So <laughs> this is a guy that's a little bit angry and he's literally flailing all over the place. So is, it, the is it more of a sort of style than a game uh, balance sort of decision? Is it it's more of a style thing rather than a sort of a stats thing? Most of the time, base sizes are, yeah. Most of the time, base size choices are a style for where we want the direction the mold to go in. Um, if, if a base size changes for balance, that'll generally be done later on. But I can't think, I don't think we've changed many bases for balance reasons. Most of them are done on style of the model. Interesting. I think also, not necessarily of Ox, but like, for example, with Pint Pot, it gives him a, it gives him slightly more area of effect without just giving him two yeah, inch melee. Yeah, I mean, Ox, melee, yeah, yeah. Ox has got two inch melee, but Pint Pot's got that 40 mil base, which allows him to get, um, oh, come on, brain. What's his thing called? Um, um, smash face. Yes, that's it. So he's got a bigger, he can affect more of an area without just having a two-inch melee. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Which I think it's good. Well, I what think, what um... sort of, I was just going to ask, like, before we move on to someone else, if that's what you're thinking, like, um, what sort of builds have you guys been seeing uh, Vet Ox work on, I mean, obviously? Uh... I mean, let's get an obvious one out of the way. Predominantly fillet builds, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you could almost, you could almost sell only fillet builds. About eighty percent. Well, I'd say close to hundred. In fact, I would actually say hundred percent. Um, so fillet well, builds. You never know, do you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you see quite a lot of models in terms of the, because he likes to get that stuck into that melee uh, zone. You, you're um, seeing quite a lot of models that are, are quite at home in there. So not necessarily in teams of players like Shank that are sort of people that will pick off the edges, but you've got players more like Meat Hook uh, and Boar, people that are quite happy to go and get in there and literally just go in and, and make lots of attacks and um, obviously make them the most out of the old ways. Mm. And um, and because you're playing an affiliate team, um, you've got your captain who is able to, to bag a goal just because of a sheer speed every now and then. So you're not, not, not necessarily having to take one of the brisket models as well, um, but you can do if you want to. But you, because you've got that fast captain, you don't, you're not having to build in that footballing capacity because it's already there. So you can actually just fully load your team with people that want to beat people up. So, so I think... Are you wanting to move on to the next player, are you, Andrew? Is that what no, you... No, if you have any more, more questions, I mean, you know, by all means, um, ask them. Looking at the playbook again, he looks like he's got some... Uh, the first three columns with the not, with uh, the the single push and the double push on the second and third column, respectively, also give him good um, position and counter-attack options as well, because, you know, if you've got... Sorry, I'm trying to reach something on the floor. If you've got Rowdy up, or, no, sorry, get stuck in, or whatever, he's actually got on a, you know, two-inch melee with a one-inch push or, or a double push that's they're good solid counter-attack options I think. yeah absolutely and that's one of the things that people won't necessarily see straight away is that whilst you've got rowdy up it's not just going to be happening during your activation so well, you, that's up for the rest of the turn so if he's making a counter-attack he's engaged by three four enemy models that doesn't matter he's still going to get his full attack seven and also not, not so... a tackle either really tackle two hits always good yeah yep, good, for nicking, good for nicking the ball back 
Um, people have been getting confused by Rowdy for some reason. People, have, I don't know, I've seen a couple of discussions where people have been misreading it and thinking that your, your opponent doesn't get ganging up bonuses, but they still get the ganging up bonuses. So, I don't know, if Tapper and Hooper are engaging him, they get plus one tag. But when Ox hits them, he doesn't get minus one. Yeah, that's correct. So it's only going to be affecting the attacks that Ox himself makes. Um, yeah, he's always seven, isn't it? Basically, his, his tax always seven. That's it. Correct. Yeah, his tax is always seven, unless obviously you know bonus timing or singled out or whatever other you know benefits are there. But he's not being affected. He's he his attacks are never affected by ganging up or crowding up. But that in, it's worth just putting. Obviously, that's unlike a pint pot who never gets that. It's only when gets gets stuck in is on. So you have the option with Ox of not activating it and getting crowding out bonuses and ganging up if you want. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, plus you could always, you never know, get lucky on a charge, uh, get it on a wrap, for instance, get yeah. a nice momentum score, and then wrap the rowdy. That's not a bad option either. Yeah, but also like if you get uh, if you get a cheeky, you get stuck in. It's a good job you can't you can't pay for it because uh, you could pay for it and then charge in, and then charge into a group and then get the uh, what's it called whirling chains off and oh, it'd just be miserable. <laughs> it's almost like we've tested it. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. I, almost. Like, I remember. Um, I got all excited just on a tangent. I got all excited when they were talking about the momentum point for um, going second. Yeah. For initiative, I remember talking. Uh, you may or may not remember at Steam Steamcon. I talked to you about this briefly, Jamie, and I'd got all excited thinking that you got it when you were kicking off, and I was thinking I'm just going to kick every single day of the week with um, Brewers, then get the point of momentum so that Spigot can just go. And make all of my players really, really fast. And then you just went, no, you don't get it when you get when you kick off. And then I was a bit sad, Panda. <laughs> well, I mean, according to certain people, I do live to make people sad. So, I mean, you're welcome. I know, right? <laughs> but I think on the um, on the two and three influence, just before we go on to Hack, because no spoiler alert, she's also got two three influence. I've noticed also with season three now, you've got a few models who've got this two three influence. It seems to be a thing now, but. Like with Hag, as we'll talk about with her ability, she's got called Talisman and with Ox, with his Vindictive. Although they've got the two, three, they've actually got a way of being more than that three. Yeah, I mean, this is something This is something that um, I'm, I'm going to use the word blame, but it's actually, it's a positive thing for the game. It's something, uh, it's, it's an effect that, that DC had when he joined the design team quite early on, is that he brought in this phrase, which brought in this phrase, which we referred loving to, lovingly to as gravity welling, which is we need to make sure as designers and as a design team that we are pushing ourselves all the time to try and make different and interesting models so that we don't get ourselves stuck into this average stat line, for instance, of something like you know, a 6-8 six, a six, movement, 5 attack, 3-6 kick four four defense one armor two four influence we don't want every single model ending up looking that way so if we have a reasonable reason to be able to change those stats and make a model a little bit more interesting and do something a bit different then we should do that on every opportunity as long as it's worthwhile um so i think it's a really interesting point because that immediately makes me think <coughs> excuse me think back to the season two changes that you guys did where so what you've done this way, in, instead of saying, because, right, let me articulate this slightly better. So in season one and two, the reason we weren't, say, seeing Meat Hook, we weren't seeing um, uh, uh, God, Graves, and apparently we weren't seeing um, uh, Mercury that often, is because they had that one force stat, and they weren't bringing enough to the table. Whereas now you've gone the other way, and you said, well, you've got your two, right, that's fine, you've got your two, you're there, so you're bringing two. But we're bringing down the other end. 
So you're not losing what you can bring, but you aren't being able to allocate or do as much with one player without using their other abilities, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Have I articulated yeah. that better? I don't know. No, that's okay. That's fine. Basically, but but yeah, you, you, you're kind of sort of getting the point across, which is that we, we're able to do this. We're able to play around with those stat lines as long as the player is getting some other kind of benefit. And obviously for Hag, she's almost, if you want to say, that a 3-4 because she's because of that talisman is allowing her to to spend one more point of influence. So her maximum you know, her maximum spend is going up by one. And she's also getting yeah. a free character play. So her what she's generating and bringing to the table is also you know artificially inflated by one. Next up is Hag. Uh, she's awful, so you shouldn't take her. Uh, move on. <laughs> Been there. She's rubbish. Fishermen uh, so are rubbish. She's move 4 6, tack 4, kick 3 6, defense 4, armor 0, which I like. Influence 2 3. Uh, her playbook isn't much to speak of, really. Um, Remains dodge on 2 hits. Remains double dodge on 3 hit on 4 hits. Uh, so she's not particularly. She's not really a fighter, is she? No, not really. Uh, she has decoy, uh, which is what uh, Grayscales has. And Fish yep. is Real, which is a, a four-inch cat play, costs one. Target, other, funny model, makes a two-inch dodge. Other model, makes a two-inch dodge. Uh, it can be done more than once a turn, but only once per model. Uh, then she has Fear, of Ghast fame. Uh-huh. Shadow-like, uh-huh. of obvious fame. Um, Talisman, which means she can spend one of her um, cat plays for free, so basically she can decoy for free each turn or whatever. And she has a legendary play, which means a four-inch pulse... Um, any models suffer a two-inch push. Funny models get a two-inch dodge, but there's a cost. There's a cost, a wonderful cost. A four-inch pulse, which is quite large. Um, she suffers one damage for every model in the pulse. Not, not every model she affects with it is every model in that pulse. So she's a very fragile um, but very supportive piece, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, she's a piece of force multiplication or support, if you want, for the rest of the fisherman pieces. So instead of a, instead of if you want to take a, a team full of strikers, which is obviously one very viable uh, way of building a fisherman team, if you want to, you could sacrifice one of those uh, striker slots and instead take the hack, where she's a model. She's a model that you know, could score a goal, but by comparison to the rest of the fisherman models, probably not that great at scoring goals herself. Instead, she'll make every single other player that's around her much better at scoring goals and retrieving the ball. So. I think the um, the other point. First of all, just to note on her her movement is that it's exactly the same as um, uh, Blackheart. Is you look at it and you think four six and think no, nah, you know it's not all that. Yeah, it's not four six, is it? It's six eight with a with a two inch dodge at the start of the activation, so she can get out of town if she needs to. I just think she's a bit of a slippery model. She's a bit of a slippery model. You know that that one. That uh, one-inch dodge on the second column might help her out occasionally in her counter-attack to try and avoid melee. Uh, she's got, obviously, decoy to try and keep her alive a little bit. And fear, as well, is going to dissuade people from making attacks against her at all on occasion. If people actually manage to get past that stuff, she's actually paper-thin. She, you know, with a, a, a four-plus uh, defense and zero armor stat line, once you get past her little bits of defensive abilities, then she actually goes down fairly quickly. Yeah. So um, she's a little bit more fragile than she at first seems. It's just that people need to pay a high cost at the beginning to actually start dealing damage to her. Yeah, I mean, her, her counters aren't very good, are they? Um, even if she has two-inch melee, you know, she has one-inch dodge on two hits with attack four, so she, her counters are going to be basically very, very rubbish against most people. Yeah, she's, she's not someone you can throw headlong into the fray. Um, you've got to be a little bit careful with her. But someone certainly fish, will. Though, that basically, fish, you know, are very powerful. Well, they're always powerful. Pounding right now, they're too powerful, but I don't agree with that. But um, they're, they're so good at doing what, doing what they do, I guess it can be quite difficult to make a model that has design space without really pushing them too far forward, I guess, making them too good. 
Uh, yeah, it can be a little bit. I mean, um, obviously, we've got the, the fishermen are one of the people that have got the most focused design space in terms of that they're not re they're really not supposed to be doing um, six takeout games. Um, I mean, they are capable of it, but they're the team that's the least capable of it, if you want. Um, so it can be a little bit hampering sometimes in terms of coming up with models for them. But occasionally, we'll find a little bit of design space that interests us, and we'll just go for it. So. I think the other thing is you don't want to, with the fish, like being the kind of a footballing team, you don't want to just make another striker because you've already got, you've got Angel and you've got Sakana who are strikers, haven't you? You've got Shark who's a striker. I don't, is there any other actually strikers I know that obviously uh, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Salt. Yeah, Salt yeah, is not, but. You know, <laughs> you've all got a lot of range. You don't want to just make another winger, another attacking midfielder, another striker. You know, you, you, you've got to make it different. And I think she's very interesting. I think she's going to, ah, yeah, you know, because fish need their threat ranges increased. But, yeah, she, very much like, I think, when we get onto Brain Pan, which is the, well, the one everyone really wants to hear about, She uh, she's a support piece. If you're looking at her at her playbook, you're either counter-attacking counter or she's probably in the wrong place. Yep, absolutely. I would say, because although you can get fish's reel off her playbook, it only costs one to do it anyway, so... Don't yeah, I mean, you, you're either looking at it as like a, a chance. You've got to take a chance because yeah. you're a little bit behind and you need to take a little bit of a risk. Alternatively, you just go, actually, I need to generate some momentum here. So this is what I'm going to have a go at because I've already got some some gang ups and stuff and I might get a chance because she's got like a inflated tack. Then otherwise, yeah, you're probably just going to be using her character plays most of the time and legendary. Yes. It is momentous. That's, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. I don't know the fish playbooks very well, but a tackle on three seems quite high. I don't know. I mean, you probably know them inside out, uh, Jamie. Is that... It's, yeah, it's, again, again, that's a that's a, a purposefully placed tackle there, just to, to try and reinforce the fact that she's definitely not your average fisherman striker model. Um, that she, you know, that's not necessarily she can do it. It's not necessarily what she's built for. Yeah, but I think um, oh, fear, fear in the fisherman. I'm just thinking, fear. You've got an abundant like you. Well, you know, again, not trying to go off on one too much, but I think you can really get a, 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 a team that sucks the influence out of your opponent like with fear you could have well, yeah life. you could have like your corsair with having to do sort of knockdowns and tackles twice to so that's a point of influence spell and you've got jack you could have avarice you could have kraken you can have corsair who've all got tough high you can really make a very resilient kind of just sucks the influence out of the opponent and what they can do if you know what i mean yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, it's kind of like an it's kind of like the fishermen making you feel their pain. You know, the takeout game is shut off to me, so I'm going to make you guys feel the same way we do <laughs> to an extent. Again, off the top of my head, I think is Casket the only other non-captain model with a legendary play. Uh, I believe that's true, but oh, I just off, just off the top of my head, I believe that's true. Yeah, I mean, that's the only one that springs to mind. But I like that it's a powerful. It's a, it's a powerful um, character play, legendary play, um, and a bit like Vet Catalyst, it's got a cost in that, okay, in Vet Catalyst, without going off on one about him, he gets taken out and gives away VP, but with this one, if you use it at the wrong time, you know, it's going to be very detrimental to a very squishy player, so, yeah, I think that's it, I think it's interesting that it's, we, it's got a cost, a negative cost, as well as just being, this is awesome. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that that balances out uh, the, the quite obviously powerful offensive effect of it as well, is that the, that can really change your table state, like dramatically so, in fact. So mm-hmm. um, not only have you got to choose the right time for it, but you really, like, you re- well, I mean, you really do have to choose the right time for it. As you say, if you do it the wrong time, you're not going to have a great effect. And to boot, you'll probably get killed. Do you have any stories okay. of how hags um, ruin people? Uh, I mentioned one here. I'm not necessarily sure it's the one that people necessarily want to hear, but it's uh, but I know, I know, Go on. Yeah, she, <laughs> uh, one of our one of our developers, Bryce, uh, was playing a game with a uh, just as an internal playtest game a couple of days ago, and he actually managed to um, not that he was trying to do so, but the table state allowed for it. He actually made Salt score all three of his goals in a game because Hag was there. If Hag hadn't been there, then that wouldn't have been possible. Um, so Hag went. Uh, sorry, Salt went in, scored the first goal. Came, got taken out, came back on the table again, and because of the movement abilities of Hag, the extra four inches of movement that was that was capable of allowed Salt to nip up forward and get a second goal. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I think he finished it with a snapshot. So it's just all kinds of Simple. <laughs> What's the image uh, you're seeing with her then? Sorry, say that. Build. I was just going to say, but much like the the ox question that we finished with. Um, what sort of builds have you been seeing around the playtest? What seems to be a not a go-to build, but where is she fitting into well, people's lives? Well, two, two quite distinctive ones actually, and the and the I mentioned sort of briefly one that it mostly depends on which captain you're going to take because there's such different models completely, and they therefore inherently dramatically change the playstyle that your rest of your team's going to take. But if you're going to take Hag with Shark, then most of the time you're probably going for that multiple striker options. Um, you know, variant of team, and it, it, when you take Hag in that team, you're just pushing those other five goals, get goal scoring models, like dialing up them up to eleven. And there really is a place where the ball is just not safe anywhere on the table, and everybody's moving quickly. Everybody ha- that seems all about potential. Everyone has the potential to go a bazillion miles, and the opponent has to be really careful and really wary of that. Whenever you know the ball is anywhere near a Fishman player, and even when they're not, like <laughs> there's p- potential for the opponent to get the ball even when they think it's safe. Uh, and in in terms of course air lineups, then. That's kind of a still quite a slow and purposeful playstyle for Corsair, but that suddenly that Corsair uh, list has a uh, an element of sort of nitrous oxide added into it, where at any moment it could just jump forward um, an extra amount of the table. And you know, if you want to, you can even put the, the hag forward and drag the opponent towards you a little bit more if you really want to bring them into that crunch. But it's still a sort of that slow and purposeful playstyle that will eventually just walk up the table and throw a few goals in whilst taking a few players out. But at some point in the middle of the game, when you really need to close the distance quickly you've got that sort of nitrous oxide switch that you can flip and then just jump those extra few inches forwards. So. Yeah, I think it looks interesting. I think, uh, I think all of the, 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 the three, certainly that we've got here, look very interesting players. They look like uh, there's a lot of things you can do with them that are outside of the box. I think uh, Pint Pot was maybe a bit more direct play style. And I don't know, like... Uh, Granite as well. She's got some tricks about her, but yeah, I, I really like what you've done with it. Also, I think, the, I, think, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah now, now the models also like, for example, we're looking at Hag and um, Ox and Perry um, Power. I mean, they're all good, but none of them are like much, much better than what's already out. So I think the opportunity cost now of putting them in the team, everyone's got their sort of like their their six, and now it's getting really hard to work out what to put in. You know, like you put Hag in, but they're taking out a model that you obviously you know you might like as well. So it's um, you're making, you're making it much harder to pick a good team now because there's too many options. And that's great, because that's absolutely intended. You know, if we can hopefully get to a place where there isn't a specific team you take, that, that everything is subjective, everything is... a. Um, we try to make things as, as subjective as possible and as little yeah, object as little. Way, sure. Yeah, absolutely. the more the more discussion there is about what different team builds people are taking, then the better. That means you've got a healthier game overall. There's no win button, is there? Well, at least it shouldn't be. Yeah, that's the aim. That's the aim, to not have those. Any more on Jason? 
well, I was just going to say, well, more about the, uh, the the team selections. That it's interesting that it kind of uh, vindicates your guys' decision in the organised play to limit union to one because now everyone's struggling to pick a nine as opposed to like like we were seeing sort of one captain, three union or whatever. I think uh, that's obviously people have got over themselves on that now. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think we're, the, these releases have generally been quite positive. And as you say, people are finding it difficult to pick their teams now. So, um, you know, hopefully that uh, the plans we've had are, are working. Are you allowed to say whether or not teams... Uh, are we looking at, like, what the, the two that have already come out and the three that we've got here, are they the only releases that those teams respectively are getting in Season 3? Or are you not allowed to say that at this point? Mm. Pass. I don't know whether I'm allowed to say that or not, so I'm just going to leave it as a. As a no. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't know if you were or not. I just thought, you know. I know that we're, all I'll say is that we've got the the season like the you know we had the you've got the the rule book in kickoff uh, that is yeah. obviously currently available for download, and we've got a full release of the actual season three full on rule book with all the storyline and other bits and pieces and character bios and stuff will be in there as well. Um, that's going to be set to release sometime around salute, so you will get a much clearer picture of what season three is going to look like from that book. Okay, how's it panned out as you as you want so far? Because obviously you want the season three to be more football focused. And yeah. the results and things, has that sort of come into play? Wrists and fish, of course, didn't do well. Being, being quite blunt about it, the objective of, of, of you know the changes for Season 3 mostly have been trying to change the game from... it was a, We thought it was a little bit too much focus towards the sort of the four takeouts and one goal victory, which is not the, not necessarily the way we would like the average game to be played. We would like the average game to be played as being completely even between takeouts and goals, obviously depending on which way you've taken your your team. If you've taken your team to play for all goals, that's cool. But in terms of the average way, the, the average team that's balanced should, should try to play the game is we're looking for sort of two takeouts and two goals to be the optimal way to win. Um, so that we're, we've actually reached a state, or we're trying to reach a state, where achieving six takeouts in one game is about as difficult as achieving three goals. At least that's the, that's the objective. You're never going to get that exactly perfect, but trying to get pardon me trying to get those two as close together in difficulty um is absolutely the aim which meant we had to therefore make the footballing side of of Gilbo a little bit stronger because it was lagging behind ever so slightly in season two and uh, um i think we are from at least early results and early discussions seeing that take take place where people are having a, a lot more respect for the footballing side of uh of Gilbo. so i think it's working so far i was i was just gonna say i think also perhaps it's because uh season one and two the takeout game was just easier wasn't it it was people like you say, hadn't appreciated the the footballing side of it, but now with um, tapping being a thing and home crowd being a thing, it's uh, it's made that football less not less risky, but more reliable without being less risky. It's still high risk, high reward, but you can make it less risky than than it I guess, was. I guess you could summarise it saying is it's an overall more attractive option. To play yeah, as. I think so, and you know it's more fun, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah so, the people that got into guild ball to play, you know, with the ball, no one wants yeah. to, you know, the, the last thing you want to see is your opponent going, well, I'm just going to take the ball and drop it in a corner because that's the way that I think is best to play the game. You know, I yeah. that's something we don't, you know, it's, it's something that has to be a part of the game as a valid tactic for, you know, for points in the game for you to stall out and hide the ball a little bit. But what we don't want is for somebody to have that as plan A, I'm going to hide the ball in the corner at the first opportunity and I'm going to play the entire game with the ball dead in the corner. That's something we absolutely don't want. Well, because it's just a skirmish game, isn't it? It's just a fight. Yeah, it's not guild ball. It becomes guild brawl at that point. And as I say, that's, yeah, that's yeah. something we want, we want to we want avoid. And I think at the moment we're being successful in that. Green Pan. 
Oh man. And memory. Um, so oh. I played sort of three games now with morticians, and um, I must admit these models have really made me want to carry on doing that because um, they're so cool. <laughs> there's, I mean, it's an understatement, but there's a lot to them. <laughs> there's uh, so many different uh, things that I so many different the, things you could do with them. So many I different the cards. I thought I don't even know what to do with them. <laughs> um, I, um, the fact that. I think they're like the morticians. They're all very much now the morticians are in general now that they've had a few tickles here and there in one way or the other. I think they're very much a thinking man's piece. They're not. They're not easy to use, or to. I don't think they're going to be easy to use or be efficient with. I think, uh, yeah, going on the clock with them is going to be testing. Right, do you want to run yeah. the card, um, Jason? Yeah, that's it. Let's do it. So, brain pan. Should we do brain pan? Are we going to do them separately, or are we going to go through all the brain pan and then memory? I think we have to do them then... together because basically they don't really work on their own, do they? No. no. Okay. So, brain pan is movement five seven, attack three, kick two six, which can change, defense four, armor one, influence two four, uh, three column playbook as you'd expect, uh, with a momentous tackle on one, which is very significant in morticians because I think bone saw is the only other model that has it, unless Two-bit you've got. Stuff, yeah. uh, yeah, but um, he's got one more attack, though, and Avarice can have it if he's got Greed attached, and I think they're the only three sources of a momentous tackle in the guild. He's got... Uh, Graves one. Uh, Graves one. Uh, the original Graves has a momentous tackle as well. Graves one? Yeah. At least he did no, the last time I looked at Not unless you've got an errata coming. He's got it on the one first column, but it's non-momentous, I think. Is it? Oh, I thought it was just a lowdown. It's just oh, you're right. Yeah, it's just sorry. It's just a lowdown tackle. It's not momentous. Yeah, do, do yeah, it's first column, but it's non-momentous. Yeah. Perkins, no wonder you did well with them. Um, <laughs> Black marker pen, it, isn't it? Just get the old marker pen out. Anyway, so character <laughs> plays. I'm open. Which uh, Bushel has this? Yeah, am I right? right? Is that on the, yeah. the farmer's boy? Yeah. Yeah. And this 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 play in Morticians has got me moist. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, just, yeah, with scalpel, ball retrieval, second winding away, not having the ball stuck on a model, dirge going and getting it, not having the, just not having that ball stuck, because they've got great ball retrievers, but then you're stuck with it. Anyway, um, so for people who don't know, it's a two-cost, six-inch. Uh, target-friendly model immediately makes a pass, which targets this model, so in this instance, it'll be brain pan. Uh, and then his next two plays are all about memory, so you've got Puppet Show, which is one influence, eight-inch range. It's not once per turn. That's target-friendly memory model may make an attack without spending influence or make a two-inch dodge, which is kind of... It's it's a good way that you've got that avarice and greed kind of synergy without just memory using Brain Pan's influence. Brain Pan has to do it. Yeah, it's a very that's... different way. It's a very different way of having two models that are completely reliant upon each other. Um, li- memory more so than brain pan, but literally, as we'll get onto with memory, he doesn't activate. So every single action that he takes is either du- is due to a different model on the table, which most of the time oh. is brain pan. Okay. We'll get onto that in a minute. And I do actually have a question about memory. Uh, I'll, I'll get onto in a second. Sure. And so pulling. Well, I've got lots of questions, but anyway, um, pulling strings, one influence, eight inches, once per turn, target friendly memory model may make a kick without spending influence. So effectively, you've spent the influence of pulling the strings. Um, then character traits. Uh, thought, effectively, it just means that if brain pan's been taken, uh, if memory's been taken out, it gets placed within two inches of... Uh, mem- uh, memory gets placed within two inches of brain pan. One, two is another... It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, 
when this model makes pass, target friendly named model, in this case memory, uh, brain pan gets plus two, plus two kick. So all of a sudden his two six becomes four eight, mm. which is just good uh, for the duration of the pass. And then brain uh, memory can make a teamwork action for one less momentum point. So immediately I'm thinking there, yeah, you get you can get them up the board, get them in snapshot range, pass the ball, successful point of momentum from the pass, point of momentum for the snapshot, because it's only costing you one instead of two. So I mean, there, there are so many different ways of making these two oh. models have a shot on goal. Like so many snapshots, you know, just making yeah. memory make a kick, you know, having brain pan make the kick. There's a number of different ways of these guys playing around with the ball. As a side point, did you notice the small uh, nod to Norse mythology there with the trait names? Um, so, so thought memory the name of uh, the names of Odin's two ravens <clears throat> that he sends around the world scouring for information. So basically, basically, um, character players are basically remote controlling his puppet, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, yes. He jumps around yeah. doing his own thing, and his puppet is is pretty good. So his move zero zero, but he's not. Um, no. Attack five, kick three four, defense five, armor zero, three hit points. Defense five, three hit, po- three hit points. I mean, it's going to be about. Two attacks, take him out, you know. Yeah. Roughly, which yeah. is pretty great when going on to. I'm jumping around here a little bit. Um, you know, he's got the ability, inanimate object, which means if he's taken out, you get no VP. Mm. It's a big deal. Okay. So, two influence to get nothing out of it apart from momentum. His playbook. seems like. Sorry. Quickly, just to jump in and ask my question, right? Because inanimate object reads, reads this model does not have an activation, right? So, if you knock down memory, he doesn't have an activation, so he, and he hasn't got a movement stat. So he can't forgo his movement to stand up, right? That's so correct. Can you stand him up by doing come on mate on him? Yeah, absolutely. Because he's another friendly model that's on the table. Um, it just means that he can't... You know, he can't, he can't... Only wants to turn, yeah. So um, people, one of the things that people are quite quick to point out about him is taking him out, not necessarily the best way to deal with him. Knock him down, leave him on the floor... Hmm. Oh, that's a different thing because that's quite expensive for them for the mortis to play to stand them up again. So yeah, okay. uh, so I just wanted to check on that because yeah, because I mean the, the the way to deal with brain pan, like you say, is, uh, to deal with memory is and one of the key things I think about these two players and why they're not going to just be a point and click. That they, they haven't got the same resilience as avarice and greed, where greed is reliant on avarice's info, uh, information influence, and an average avarice is a tank. Memory is reliant on brain pan, and brain pan is average defense average hit points yes you take out running pan and memory's not doing anything so yeah on memory's playbook he's got basically four columns all momentous every single thing's momentous mm-hmm. on it uh with attack five mm-hmm. so momentous one and one hit momentous dodge two hits on three hits momentous two or momentous double dodge and then momentous three or four hits attack five so he can actually be pretty good at just dishing out damage and getting momentum if you just make yeah. him do attacks yeah Quite clear, the Morticia fans just love to see every single thing that memory does. They love him. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and finally, so, he can make a two-inch dodge after every single model's activation on your side. Uh, is it not? Is it at the start of? There? Start off. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, when they activate, he just prances around, crowding out if he wants to, and getting in the way. That's another thing people have noticed about him as well is that he'll be excellent for just zipping in and out of different melee zones, you know, adding different crowd outs and gang ups wherever necessary, and that's going to be the other part of his game style. Even if he's not himself making lots of attacks because of, of brain pan, then he at least he'll be helping out everybody else on the mortician team. And he's even doing that during their activations and zipping around and helping them out and stuff. So it's a very interesting part and uh, to his play style. I mean, looking at the models here, I mean, it's, it's certainly the most different sort of design I've seen 
I mean, at first, before I saw the rules, I thought they'd be a bit like Avars and Greed, but they're nothing like them, really. I mean, how did you even start designing a model like this? Because it's so different. So the initial the initial concept for this model was actually uh, not one of the ones that I worked on. Um, was uh, this was this came from a conversation between DC and Matt Hart, and DC was the person that went away and wrote the the very first uh, version of this model's card. It hasn't actually changed that dramatically. A lot of the original parts of that card are still intact. Um, and basically that got fed into the development office here in Manchester where I work. Uh, and we took a look at that card and we just spent, spent a good 10 minutes staring at it going, what, what is this? Like, like, <laughs> you know, just, just trying to work out you, because it, as you kind of alluded to when you first started talking about him, is that he's a model that you kind of read and you go, I don't understand him at first. And you kind of have to spend a good amount of time thinking about him. He's just such a, uh, an indirect model to play with. But when you finally get him on the table, uh, get them on the table, sorry, then they're, they're a huge amounts of fun to play with. And just so many different options open up to you that weren't there previously. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, they're, they're a little bit confusing really. So I, I can't really t- say exactly where the inspiration for the particulars came from. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't myself that wrote the, the first version of them, but, um, you know, you weren't you weren't the, the only people to be confused by him the first time you saw him. So he's a very, very they're a very, very indirect pair of models. I just got very, very excited by them. I just I've been looking for a reason to go back to my morticians for a while because I've just missed using scalpel and like I I'd said a while back because I've been using Union season three. I was saying these guys uh, could be the hook for me and they certainly are because if nothing else they're just going to be fun. Like even if I'm not doing well with them, they just look like fun. Yeah, just they've got they've gone back they've gone back to roots of being masters of control most of the time. It's one of the things not to go off on too much of a tangent. But it's one of the things that people were kind of surprised about when they saw the Obelisk uh, season three card is that they noticed we hadn't really done that much to, to how Puppet Master works and that we were never going to because Puppet Master is the heart of how Obelisk works. Is the a shining example of how the morticians are supposed to work. They are supposed to be the masters of control and messing with your opponent. If they're not doing that, then we haven't built them right. So one thing I've just noticed about memory and. You may be able to correct me on, t- on this if I'm wrong, but is he not the only model that hasn't got a tackle? That's true. That's true, yeah. Really? I just noticed that. Cause, uh, yeah, every model's got one damage on the first column so far, I believe, and every model's got a tackle. Um, like, Cena's got a tackle, all of the mascots have got a tackle, like, Quaff's, everyone's got a tackle, but Memory's the first model, having just looked at his card, that hasn't got a tackle and can't, can't tackle the ball. Which is great. There you go, kid. So flexible. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, oh, I, who, do you, who do you use then in a, in a sort of a, a, a team with him then? Initially, I I wasn't too sure if I'd be playing them so much with Scalper. They seem to kind of fit the the more the, the slightly slower Obulus play style. I mean, he's very much dodging around, but generally I find his builds tend to be the slower players, the steadier build up. Whereas I find of Scalpel, I, I like to play super aggro, just kick with her, threaten the whole board. Go crazy, players like Vince. You'd actually actually be surprised at how well that these can work with both captains. Because, I mean, these are are models that, as you say, they're not going to be getting that sort of turn one goal because then it's just the tricks that they've got tend to work better from sort of turn two onwards when they've got a little bit further up the table and um, things like I'm open can get triggered at more, opportunist, at more opportunistic times. If you've got the ball that's scattered onto a model that you didn't expect to have the ball, suddenly you could just open that up again with I'm open and that can work with either captain. Um, so having them in your team, I think it's about just changing your play style a little bit more to, to, to keep in mind where the ball is. Even when you're playing with scalpel, and you might be thinking, actually, I'm going to start taking a couple of players out. Well, actually, you might just want to throw in a tackle every now and then, and not do anything with the ball of scalpel. She might be tackling the ball from an enemy striker and be nowhere near the enemy goal. That's fine because you can leave that yeah. on her, 
for for, for brain pan to get later on uh, and these are just, you know brand new really quite cool tricks that have opened up to the multiplayer that weren't there previously except when you were playing with obulus and having to use the quite expensive puppet master to move the ball around uh, you don't have to do that anymore um it's also another nice way it's, it's also another nice way of getting bone sort to score his quite early goal which obviously he really loves to get because then he gets to sit at that really nice defense fire for the rest of the game brain pan and memory are two models that they can assist him in doing that because they give him some really nice passing opportunities well, yeah with his uh, football dervish bouncing that off uh, brain pan or whatever but uh, memory even I, I think um i think scalpel dirge graves because he's just in every team and again that tackle on one being able to i'm open him use i'm open on him to retrieve that ball after he's tackled it i'm i've always been a big fan of casket with scalpel i think uh particularly with tooled up coming from graves she just makes casket time happen and I find two two goals with a with a scalpel team happen if you can get yeah, plus, one. Take. Plus, Casket's got that two six kick, which is occasionally quite useful as well. You know, he's a model that doesn't is completely afraid of handling the ball. So I would think, uh, yeah, brain pan, Casket, Graves, and I'm I've always been a big fan of Minx. Um, so her and Cosset, I tend to switch in and out. Generally, I don't tend to play them both at the same time. Um, oh, Costa. I played Costa yesterday for the first time ever, and she got two takeouts. Take out. I'm so in love with her. She's amazing. <laughs> She's fantastic with Obulus. She's good with yeah. Scalpel, but being able to get that confidence and then Puppet Master someone for the bird to go engage, and then Scalpel, uh, she just has the time of her life. But, yeah, that's, that's what I think I'd go with. We're going to go on to some other um, models now. Uh, so we have um, two models that begin released at the end of March, is it, Jamie? Yeah, so the March releases. These models are the models we've just been talking about: uh, Veteranox, Brain Pan, Memory, um, yeah. and Hag. And Hag. Uh, well, yes. By the time the podcast releases will be already out there, is set for release on the twenty fourth of February. Uh, the next set releases for March are going to be set to release on the twenty fourth of March. Quick, stop the podcast. Hello, this is Andrew here. Andrew from the future. About two weeks after this was recorded. The next bit's going to sound a little strange because at the time the um, cards and rules for the Union Captain and Locus weren't revealed at all. So Jamie was speaking in sort of general terms rather than spoilers. So the next section for Locus and the Union Captain are going to sound a little strange because we don't talk about any abilities. There's still quite a lot of hopeful, useful stuff in there. Occasional gems, maybe. Um, and we also talk about Crucible, who, at the time of recording, hasn't been talked about at all. But you never know, by morning, her card could be revealed. Who knows? Anyway, have fun. Bye. So that's what we're going to be having our monthly uh, release windows. Uh, we're going to be going for three more models, which are going to be Locust for the Engineers. Um, and we've got the un- the unnamed Union Captain. Stop! Okay, yeah, we know now that the unnamed Captain is Brisket. At the time, it wasn't announced, and Jamie was a good boy and didn't say anything. But now we know, I'll cunningly edit Brisket's name in, and you owned know a thing. we seamless. I promise. Um... And 
God, why? Crucible, thank you. Sorry, my mind just going blank there for a second. Files in front of me not going quick enough. So we've got those three models to talk a little bit about. Um, so can't release too many details, specific details on those, um, but I can go into a little, talk a little bit about overall play styles. And so let's start off with Locus, Locus. actually. <laughs> of course. So, yes. so. I've actually spoken about him on um, another podcast recording, which hasn't actually aired yet for Double Dodge. But I'll just what? repeat one of the things I said on there. I, I know, I know. I, 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 well, I, I record with a lot of people. Um, so that's, yeah. <laughs> I record around. You've got a competition, it is, a competition with Matt who can get on the most podcasts. Uh, it's not a competition. I'll just win that one. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, so one of the things I mentioned on there is that one of the sort of overall... If you, if you imagine thinking about how a player visually works if you imagine that like you've got the cartoon or the film of guild ball whatever and you're sort of literally watching how a guild ball game happens then if you're watching locust then he kind of operates in a similar kind of way to uh ultron from from age of ultron from the avengers movie where in terms of that uh, he's got elements of how he's supposed to operate are supposed to actually chain you know affect gravity and actually have like sort of tectonic forces around him so he can He's supposed to be shifting people around, knocking people off balance and stuff, and he's got this capacity to affect people's sense of balance and, as I say, powers over gravity. So, uh, what base is he on? It's not very revealed, but I can give you that. He's a forty millimeter base. He's quite. A, he's a big. He's a big model. He's a big dude. He's a tough cookie. He's a tough cookie. Yeah. Depending on his defense and stuff, if he's another one of these tough-eyed reanimate bloody um, engineers, yeah, that could be very awesome source. Very so play style wise, is he sort of? Maybe like, like sort of Colossus, sort of middle of picturesy, sort of holding area. Well, if you if you look if you look at the different mechanical models that we've released, then you can get a, a similar kind of idea as how Locus is going to work. So he's um, he's a model that's very resilient because most of our mechanical models are quite resilient. You know, he's a model that's not afraid to sit in the center of the table. He's not necessarily he's not necessarily the quickest dude in the world, but he's definitely not afraid of taking a punch. So you can get those kind of ideas from the kind of model. Yeah, Jason, tough five animate. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to say that. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> but has he um has he got without you you know without wanting to push you too much for stuff that you can't give away but has he got a um a mechanic much like you said previously and it may have even been on this podcast it may have been on another podcast that play teams that want to play football need a way to deal with getting the ball if they don't have it so in the um in the in the fish you've got uh oh, siren and in engineers you've got like colossus with his two inch thing you've got um salvo Salvo with his you've got uh mother being able to use burrow or nest markers and hoist in turn can take that so has he got a mechanic like that to deal with the loose ball i believe that there's been a there's been a sort of announcement slash solicitation for for locus uh which is basically a bit of fluff blurb that we released um, yeah, I think it was. There you go. So, but if you re- have a look into that, then you can you can certainly find your answer to the question there, which is which is he has some capacity for 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 affecting every ball. Yes. Very good. Very good. Interesting. He sounds so cool. I I, I, I hate painting wood, but you know, a team full, a team full of robots. He sounds so cool. Have <laughs> you surprised by how, from what I've seen on the Black Orifice and like tournament things and that that. Perhaps the engineers haven't been had an uptake in quite the same way that maybe alchemists and fish have because they're, they're they're the guild that's changed the most. Yeah, I mean um, it's still it's still quite early days. Uh, I mean, for, if you want, 
the playstyle of the engineers, although it's not really changed, I mean, it has changed in bits and pieces, but the idea of what we wanted from the engineers hasn't changed so much. It's people have still, people know that we've always wanted to make them a bit more of a footballing team and and um, and therefore giving them a little bit of a better ability to be able to punch in melee was, was goes a bit hand in hand with that because every team is eventually going to find itself engaged with the opponent and you've got to be able to survive that situation, which the engineers can now do a lot better than they used to be able to do. Um, so... But given that there have been a significant number of changes on them, um, I think I don't know if I think it's more if it's not the most amount of changes for any guild, then they're certainly up there with the you know most amount of individual changes for any guild. That it may just take players a little bit more time to get used to them. We're still quite early days in into season. Into yeah, season three. It is sort of right. like two three months in. So I think there was a vibe certainly at SteamCon that oh my god we're going to see you know very much we're going to see Minx everywhere we're going to see Harry the Hat and Avarice and Greed well we saw them everywhere anyway. And we those those prophecies have come true, and yet there seemed to be a buzz around that the engineers were going to be everyone's going to be using the engineers and they're going to do this that and the other. And actually, it hasn't panned out. I've only I've not really seen any more usage of them than there were anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although we haven't had sort of many large competitions on the way into uh, in season three yet, we're still obviously waiting for Vengeance to roll around as one of the bigger competitions. Not that everything should hinge on that, but obviously what I'm trying to allude to is that there's not been a huge amount of data. Uh, yet for, for for events in season three. Plus the other side of it as well is um, to a down to a more sort of human level. Every now and then you'll you'll see someone that champions a guild and does very well with them, and it's also quite possible that no one's really come along yet that wants to champion the engineers. When that person comes along, you'll start to see more results for them. Yeah, no, that's very true as well. Like what people always like the shiny. Oh, there. You know, people who want to do well will will very much go towards that guild. I and mean, we saw at the start of season three a big t- uptake in alchemists, but I remember the first event I went to, there was, I think there was six out of 16 people playing them. But that sure. seems to have leveled up a bit now, and it, Fish very much seem to be the most prevalent team that I'm seeing. Yeah, it's good to see quite an active and shifting meta, and people still trying and figuring things out in different pieces. And as I said, there's still quite, a, there was a lot of sort of shifting plates and ground under people's feet for the start of season three, and I'm sure things will settle over the coming months. So. Uh, okay, so uh, Crucible, I guess. Yeah. Yes, so I'm not going to do the same thing for Locus as I did for Crucible, but I'm going to sort of give you a, a more general idea of her, her overall playstyle, which is she, where you've got a lot of models in the Alchemist already that are to do with inflicting conditions on the opponent. Um, and in terms of smoke, you've got someone that can affect you know pre-existing conditions on the table. What you've got in Crucible is someone that actually has a, a slightly different version of that in terms of... It's not. This is not like a name of ability or something, but it's just a phrase I'm going to use for sort of to summarise the playstyle. But almost absorption in that she can take in, she can take things in and dish them out onto other people and shift them around in that sort of sense. But they're also going to be therefore impacting on her health. So you've got to you've got to have this miniature game of what kind of conditions do I want floating around on my models? What conditions do I want to have access to to shift onto the opposing models? And you've got to look at your condition game in that sort of way as well. So she's not just about necessarily. What I'm trying to get at is, if you've got conditions on the opponent, you want to move those around. That's something that the alchemist already had access to. But what she brings to the table a little bit is in terms of conditions that are, are on friendly models as well. So, okay. And how you can use those to sort of bounce back on the opponent. So presumably, reading between the lines there, she's either going to have she moves condition A from friendly model onto the opponent and she suffers it or she moves the condition and she suffers I don't know, a point of damage, two points of damage in the transfer of that condition from a friendly model to an, uh, to an enemy model then. Yeah, let's go with something on those lines. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds pretty crazy. 
Mm. Yeah, so she's 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 going to be one of the in, in a very alchemisty way. She's going to be one of those models that doesn't necessarily want to be sitting in front of the opponent and taking a lot of punches all day long. She's not going to be the most resilient model in the world, but she's going to be able to dart in and out. Um, we we've, we did mention at the start of scene three that we were pushing alchemists a little bit more towards the footballing game, and that's certainly true with Crucible as well. That she's going to be along that sort of vein of player, uh, but we're also you, with a good with a decent amount of condition play with her as well. Are you able to tell us what her position is? Hmm. Sure, why not? Let me just open up the card. Yeah. Once more time. That <laughs> <laughs> Rome was built. So she is an attacking midfielder. Okay, right. Interesting. Interesting. Gives us I, some I idea that's actually really, really interesting because off some models I've seen in the past who've had that position, like a, like a veteran harmony is attacking midfielder. It's like, what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I guess well, it's, it's that's what she's at heart. You know, at heart she's an aggressive attacking midfielder. She, she joins. She <laughs> <laughs> I can do this. No, no you can't have. No. Sorry. <laughs> back, get back. Get your sister on the pitch. Oh, you get your twin thing on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. very good. So she she's not going to be because I think the alchemists are quite a t- tanky team because quite a few of the models have got. 15 hit points, the 4-1 stats, so that's just above average, and I think they're actually quite a tanky team, so it sounds from what you're saying, either she's not going to have the standard 4-1, or she's not going to have 15 hit points, which I think, yeah, yeah. I'm just rifling through the cars now, trying to find out who else is an attacking midfielder, to see what Chisel. nuggets of information... <laughs> Sorry? Chisels one. Chisel. Yeah, I was trying to look at the Alchemist one, anyway, Alchemist. it's not great rating. Uh, I don't know any <laughs> the Alchemist, are there? I couldn't uh, figure out Maybe maybe a veteran um, catalyst. What's he? Surely. Let's be honest, though. I'm not entirely sure. There's a lot of similarities that you can you can draw from veteran catalyst to any other model in the game. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's a monster. Yeah. Um, great. Thanks for that. That's good. Um, so I guess now I've got to the yep. Union cap brisket. The Union brisket. So, um, one of the things I want to talk about with her is it's been mentioned that she's a football player. And even though I'm not going to go into any one anyone's specific uh, abilities for her, that I'm, I'm happy to tell you that every single one of the abilities on her card, she's got um, three character plays and a number of character traits. But every single one of those abilities and bits of writing on her card, everything about her tells you that she's going to score goals. Literally every rule that she has on her card assists her in scoring goals. All of them. So that's a legendary play, three character traits, and three character plays. Every single one of them assists her in the scoring of goals. Wow. Do you mind if I ask why why a third captain rather than another player? Um, a couple of different reasons, really. I mean, a, a lot of, as we as we get into the uh, well, as as Gilball gets to be not an older game, but it's definitely not the young gun anymore. Um, then we we don't have to live to as many sort of standardizations for the guilds as we did previously. We don't have to have everyone playing on an even footing. Everyone, pardon me, doesn't have to have the same number of captains. Have to have the same number of you know veteran players, wingers, whatever. And we're you're going to start to see us sort of mix the barriers and mix the lines up a little bit now. With different teams going to have different numbers of captains, different numbers of mascots, whatever. Um, and that's you know so so that freedom that's us taking a first step forward to, into that freedom basically of, of saying let's mix the lines up a little bit more here. Plus the union. Uh, in terms of if you're judging a guild just based off the the guild players 
for that guild, say Guildmore, um, then the unions actually have more players playing for them than any other team, if you don't count the union options for the other guilds. So it kind of yeah. made a lot of sense for them to have an additional captain as just sort of even out the choices for them a little bit more. Obviously, we also wanted to throw another captain at them to advance the storyline. And I would say that that's a big part of, of what's happened here. Obviously, um, you know that... <clears throat> You know that the you know, the community event, the, the Butcher Civil War, has had a sway upon how the um, sure. the full story in season three is going to advance, uh, and that this captain is someone that you're going to see a very big story arc for in season three. So. I I think the thing that I'm also about this uh, as yet unnamed captain brisket that I'm curious to see is when when I mentioned earlier about whether or not uh, teams are going to get more than one release is. Oh no, and I don't at all expect you to answer this question. It's just me thinking out loud here. Is that whether or not we'll see this captain get their own specific mascot? Because obviously, Coin is Black Hearts, and Turtle is Rages, mm. and they're their mascots and fit their what's happened in the story up until this point. And with from what I understand of the union, there can only be in inverted commas uh, one uh, captain at a time. So will this captain bring their own uh, their own mascot as well? Will it be like a Louis Vuitton handbag or something? I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, that's not something I'm going to answer right now. That's something I'm going to say we'll wait for the future. You don't necessarily expect that to be the case. It may may not be. Don't worry about it. But as I say, we're, we are now starting to play with um, the available options for every guild at this point. Because so. what my thinking was, was Rage killed the snake to take the, the treasure box to put onto the turtle, right? Mm. So that's how those two mascots are linked together. I thought maybe this mascot skins the turtle. And... How do you skin a turtle? Is, it, is that really the right... That... Oh, careful, yeah. But is that the right, the right phrase? Dishell. <laughs> maybe her mascot's yeah, maybe she... a rabbit rage on a lead. Just following her yeah. around. Well... And it, I mean, this is probably something people have already guessed about this captain already, but a nice little tidbit for, for Union players as well is this this model is going to be the first one to be confirmed as a, as one of her types is Sulphacean. So she's going to be yeah. one of the ones that does activate the um, the trait on this. That's going to be really interesting with the ninja skills looking at the front of the kickoff uh, box with that sort of the guy with the sword in the front cover who looks quite sort of knighty, you know. Yes, yes. Um, that'd be really interesting. You know, I, I, like, I like a bit of power than action. It'd be good to have some guys with swords around. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be really interesting seeing what this captain can Brisket. Because I think... I I think of um, Blackheart as being a super goal scoring captain, but he, yeah. yeah, he he obviously is going to be the utility in the uh, in the team. He does a bit of both, which makes I've been thinking about what the potential builds would be. Now, how do you, if you've got like a super footballing captain, can you play that with a? Uh, can you build a team with that and then have Vet Rage as well, or does regular Rage get back into the team for a bit of reliable damage and then you don't take Vet Rage in the nine? I don't. I think three captains. Two captains really affects the dynamic of team selection, but having three captains, I think, really... Obviously, you can't take the three. That's not what I'm saying, but you know what I mean? If you're trying to build a team and you've got those three uh, three very distinct play styles, can you do it? Yeah, this is going to be the first time in a long time that you're going to actually have to choose a captain to leave at home. Um, so if you, yeah. if, if, if you want to, you can say that these three captains sort of represent three different 
um, philosophies of team if you want to. Obviously, in veteran rage, it's going to be you know a very much focused towards a, an almost purely fighting style. And then you've got uh, Blackheart sits nicely in the center, who's going to be uh, your, your utility captain, as you've already mentioned. You can do a little bit of whatever he wants to do, and he can react to situations quite well because he can do a little bit of everything. And then obviously you've got this third captain, Brisket, in here that's a lot more focused towards footballing, and and you've got to decide which two of those captains you're going to try and build your team around. What players can play for both captains that you've chosen, and what what um, players can't, and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of nice team building questions you're going to have to answer when you're when you're putting your roster together. So just quickly, I've just had a thought going back onto onto veteran ops. Do you do you think talking about like team building? Do you think we'll see much of Captain Ox anymore? Now that like Veteran Ox seems to bring a lot of the things that the uh, Butchers players have, um, for want of a better word, been moaning they lack. Therefore, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'd certainly hope so, um, and I don't see why we wouldn't. I mean, we're, we've allowed. Obviously, we had that organised play document change for you, for you to be able to bring uh, two versions of a player onto your roster. Um, so there's no reason yeah. for you to not make that choice. Uh, and there's certainly a lot of games that Ox is quite good into just because having having the owner on the table all the time is just such a powerful thing and just being able to go, look, I don't, I don't, I never do one damage. It's always at least two. And you know, that's such a fundamentally powerful thing to have in this game that I don't think people should ever really rule it out. Anything else to show or is it our... Okay. Yeah, just, just just one more thing, um, which is um, something I want to talk about as, as a general point for Season 3, um, which I, I quite like to discuss, actually, uh, which is the abilities that we've added onto models, or brand new abilities being added to the game this, this year and this season, are with a little, you know, taking the experience that we've had from the time that Guild has been out in the wild. And what I mean by that is that we've started to have a close look at the popular tactics and more populist, you know, well, literally tactics people do on the table uh, that people do more commonly. And we have abilities that are added into the game now to make you rethink those popular and well-established tactics. So I'm going to take an example that's already out in the open, which is Granite and even Pint Pot if you want. Rowdy and um, I can't remember the name of the ability on um, Granite, but the one that gives her an extra defense when she's engaged by multiple people. Um, Foundation. Is- yeah, I'll that actually, but fair on, yeah. So what those abilities are doing is challenging, or an attempt to challenge the popular theory that just having everyone in a bunch in the middle of the table is the best way to get takeout, to get takeouts, and therefore always engaging the opponent with as many models as absolutely possible is 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 not necessarily the best way to bring those models down because for a start. I mean, if you engage, the more models that you engage Pinepot with, the more people he can hit with Smash Face. He's happy about that. Um, yeah. And obviously, with Granite, if she's only engaged by a single model of yours, it's not an immediate choice anymore whether you will just move an additional model up to engage her or not because you're actually buffing her defensive stats. So the, you'll see other things. And it's something you should keep an eye out for as well is other traits and abilities, whatever, that new things that we've added to the game this year are some of them are targeted towards popular tactics and stratagems to try and make you rethink things that you already think are safe tactics. It's also like a kind of again, uh, ties in with what I was saying about the healing mechanics, the way you've um, managed to make a squishy, not a squishy team, but a, a team that didn't like to take a punch as much as other teams without just giving them tough hide. You've done that by create, well, though Life Drink is not new, but you've brought in new ways of healing and presumably there'll be other versions of this in other guilds. I think that's also very interesting as well. Yeah, we've got to... We do have to draw a fine line between um, what 
what we can add to the game brand new to keep it fresh and also what we should add to the game brand new and keep it fresh because obviously we don't want to completely overload people with hundreds of different new abilities just because we can um we'll, yeah. add, we'll add new elements to the game where we think they're worthwhile um you know because at the end of the day we obviously want to make the game as new player friendly as possible so we don't want to give somebody a million different things to learn from day one uh, but we will add things to the game where we think they're they're worthwhile do you think it's likely that some models from season two one will get we re- 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 that again I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't really ever rule it out for any model, not just for those at season two. So um, even though we don't think that we're not planning to have as big a set of revisions as we had just going for season two to season three, we're not planning on having one as as extensive as that in the in the future at the moment. Um, but we were always keeping our eyes open for any models that require changes. Whenever you're balancing models for any war game, and this is true of any war game, not just Guild Ball, it is almost impossible to predict the balance of a model with 100% accuracy. You will test as many different interactions, as many different team builds, as many different play styles as you possibly can, and you will make the model as absolutely safe as is possible with, you know, with, within your capabilities and within your playtesting team's capabilities. But every now and then, something will hit you that you didn't expect, or something, someone will play a model in a particular way that you just didn't think of, because uh, there are, at the end of the day, you've got X number of playtesters, but there are infinitely more people wider out there playing the game more out there playing the game worldwide and eventually someone will think of something you haven't thought of no matter how clever you are so we'll never rule out saying this model is never going to get changed ever again we will always be keeping our eyes open for changes that are necessary um for balance reasons to keep the game fresh but also because something you saw us do with fangtooth is we created the ability gluttonous mass and we thought this ability would be really fitting for this model and it also helps you know bring his balance up a little bit more so we're going to put this ability onto this model retrospectively because we feel it's an ability that we've created that he should have so we will look, you know, we'll always keep our eyes open for changes that we think are worthwhile. I was going to, I don't know if you've finished talking about those players in general. I was going to ask you about like the, um, the mob rule formats, like the Highlands Cup and Guild Ball doubles and things like that. Have you seen much in the way of those being done in tournament scene? Yeah, so we're starting to see those crop up every now and then. Thank you for asking me about that, actually, because I was meaning to, meaning to go on to that at some point. But, um, We've started to see those crop up at the uh, at the uh, convention we've been running in America, and particularly at the Las Vegas Open, we had a uh, run a Homelands Cup format, which which was quite popular actually. And we saw some very interesting teams coming out of that, and I think uh, I think it's quite funny watching people go into that because it completely upsets the normal team builds that they would normally play with. And obviously, it's not something that we are intend. You know, when we design a model, we're not necessarily intending it to be completely balanced in the Homelands Cup format as well. So you're going to see some things that are a little bit less balanced there. But at the same time, it creates things that are just whacking completely mental uh, and gives you an entirely different way you know, to enjoy the game of something that's a little bit more loose, loose kind about it. So we've seen those things crop up every now and then, and um, people seem to be uh, think they're quite popular and interesting. Have you guys had a look at that, or have you thought about? Considered running one say, of those kind of events. I wonder if it's more suited to kind of the American and Australian kind of geography where because we're such a small country, we generally travel to an event for the day, don't we? We go there. So whereas because, like you say, you see them at the cons and that where people are going for a whole weekend. So it gives them the opportunity. They're, they're there. So they may as well do lots of different things. I know Mark, he's uh, a fr- friend of ours who was on the cast you did with him the other day didn't you Andrew is that out yet that's no, not out yet no actually it, it, it oh. will be out by the time this one of that one is out so yes it is so out he's, <laughs> yeah, he's doing a, a, a team event so he's got I think it's this weekend isn't it? he's got a 32 man on the Saturday and then on the Sunday he's running um well it's already happened by now but yes 
he, <laughs> well, I don't know when this is going out. Normally, when we record a podcast, you brick yourself and have to get it out within five minutes. <laughs> um, Six. This is, this is going to be about yeah. out about two weeks yeah. after I've won that tournament. Uh, okay, right. Okay, so we'll know that you didn't win then. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'll be all, I'll be all yeah, salty about it. But yeah, I think it kind of. I don't know if it really fits how we do tournaments over here. We, I don't know. We don't really seem to do. I think they're more, co- more certainly probably more con focused in some ways. Cause I think wood formats and that's stuff. True. Yeah, yeah, if you want, if you want, I mean, definitely, there's a much stronger convention for uh, you know convention culture in America than there is in Europe. Um, you, you're right, you, you're quite right. The people are much more willing over here. I mean, for a number of reasons, short travel distances and all that kind of thing to travel for a single day event, uh, and also it's you know it, you don't have to use as many um, to definitely not use an official phrase, but wife points. You know, everyone wants to have a good time at a tournament, but also spend as little time away from home as humanly possible because obviously we want to get home and spend time with families and stuff. Um, <clears throat> and that's just the kind of culture we've got over here. So the, uh, by definition, those alternate formats are going to be a little bit stronger in places like America where you've got a stronger convention culture because you're right, you've got so much more spare time. When you're already there, you may as well go and try all kinds of different bits and pieces and stuff. But at the same time, when you know when you start getting a, a strong tournament um, circuit over here, as we're starting to get now as well, and people are playing the, um, the regional cup format all the time, sometimes people will just want something a little bit different. And it's good to offer those tournaments every now and then just to give some people uh, something completely different to try and keep it fresh. Another one as well, just offers a completely different dynamic is the doubles the doubles format just because getting to play with your friends as opposed to always playing against them is just a completely different dynamic and having played in lots of different team and doubles events before myself in in both in field ball and in other systems it's it's something that's just just enormously more fun being able to play with your friends together and trying to think about something as a team rather than constantly working on your own and working against somebody the last team event i played in was, was a war machine one where we came yeah, I'd, I'd, um, not necessarily five players on a team. Perhaps might be thinking towards maybe thinking towards three. But I'd keep your eyes out for uh, for potential tournaments doing that. I may know I something. Was, was, <laughs> um, the team tournament I went to, and you were there, Andrew, because I know in in the mob rules team tournament, isn't it? You get assigned what is it, a winger, striker, and attacking mid or something, and then you play your opponents at striker, attacking mid, or whatever it is. Winger. But actually, like, the one we went to. You had your team of three, you nominated a captain, and you had a roll-off, and the captain who won, if I remember, got the option of, was it choosing? Choosing matchups plus one to their starting role, wasn't it? Is that right? Yeah, something like that. And I preferred that, where I quite like the dynamic of, like, you've got the three people in your team. Rather than it being your striker plays their striker, you could look at their team and say, okay, they've got team X. We can't beat them. You can be the chump that takes that and we'll try and beat the other two teams and play it quite like that tactical side kind of in the match. It's interesting because like, you, yeah. you have certain people who hate certain guilds or certain people who, you know, in a team game where, say, you've got three or five teams, you know, go, OK, we have to win two of our three games. We'll throw one of our members under the bus. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. Player and try with the other two. You know, you can do sort of things... Well, that's yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's a huge amount of different um, styles and philosophies out there for sort of team selection and team pairings and stuff, and and uh, you know people are welcome to go wild with it. The reason why we went with the, such a simple one in the in the um, the Mob Football Association document is for that reason, simply put, is if people have never run a team tournament before and have never experienced sort of player selection things, then uh, player selection formats, then keeping it nice and simple is a good way to start people off. If people want to experiment and go wild with their own methods of team construction and team selection, people are absolutely welcome to go and do that. And I actually encourage people to try that and try different ways of of matching your players together because it's usually interesting and it just adds a very different layer to the game and adds something else for you to think about and something else for you to enjoy and you know 
approach as a team, as you're saying, you know, you can talk to your captains and talk about different matchups and which ones you want to play and which ones you'd rather not. That's great. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, we just the reason we went with the simple one is just to sort of start people oh, off sure, down the absolutely. track of, of trying people, uh, you know, of getting people to actually try the um, you know, collaborative formats, if you like. I think we can all agree that Martin would be our sort of sacrificial goat when it would throw him to the lambs. <laughs> yeah, he'd be the one. He's <laughs> not here, so yeah. Don't but, um, even if he was, I'll tell him in a minute. <laughs> I'll take me. great. If I, yeah, poor lads. Um, I like cool. it. I like, I like the alternative format. I haven't, other than the team tournament, I haven't tried one. Um, but I like that it's there. Um, I think it keeps the game potentially interesting. Whereas, because you have kind of, you know, every game is essentially, excuse me, you've got to get to 12 VP. You can either get it by takeouts or goals. And there's a couple of abilities that, like, uh, what, Bear Hug, uh, Grave Digger. Um, and you could say to, to an extent that catalyst that bend the mechanic of how you get to those points but essentially the game is very much it's 6v6 and this is what happens so with these formats it gives a way of giving the uh, giving the game a new new life a different angle fact, sort of thing a minute, Jamie. It's, it's been quite now now um, there's quite a few ways of getting more vp isn't there like uh, you know there's um witness me and all those sort of things um, That's it, i mean i guess were they hard to hard to sort of balance because presumably they could really change that that sort of two two playstyle you're aiming, you're aiming for. I mean, given that you know goals can happen incredibly quickly. I mean, I'm sure every one of us experienced that game where no one scored a goal and then in one turn five goals happened because you just get into a scoring ping pong you know fest and the fact that you've always got that potential for points to be scored so quickly in Gilball, we don't find it to be too much of a problem for someone to be able to leap forward a little bit in VP, as long as that's quite controlled. Obviously, you don't want to have someone getting a takeout that's worth, you know, 10 points. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> but for a little bit of point, point scoring acceleration, that seems to be okay as far as we've seen, because Gilball's always had that potential for you to both score points quickly via the goal scoring. I guess the game does tend to accelerate anyway, anyway doesn't it, near the end? Um yeah, because people are getting a little bit more desperate or, you know, if someone recognises that they're behind, they need to try and change the script of the game a little bit so they're willing to try and play a little bit more riskily and all that kind of stuff. I'm not entirely sure riskily is a word, but I'm going to go with it. So. It is now. You're British. It's on the internet, you can true. put it the thing or Lee on the end of anything. It's fine, you know. That's how we do it. Right, uh, anything else you want to ask uh, Mountain or should we let Mr Perkins go? I uh, probably should let him go. His, when, his wife's due in four weeks, isn't it? He's probably... <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's you know what? No, it's been a pleasure. It's been a, a very enjoyable conversation. I've really enjoyed it. It's been great. Thank you for having me on. It's been Thanks fun. a lot, Jamie. Uh, and um, good luck with everything. And uh, we'll see you soon. No, excellent. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs>